Ryan Ray and Ben Samuels present Bring in the Closers, a podcast on making deals and doing business. Sent to being recorded, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's Texas, the single consent state. I don't know where you're at, so I'm assuming. So, <laughs> welcome to episode four. Is this episode four? Yes, four. Uh, bring in the closers, Ryan Ray, alongside the man, the myth, the closer himself, Ben Samuels. I don't know why we put it cl- closers. I thank you for allowing that S to be added on there. The closer himself, Ben Samuels. Ben, how's it going? going fantastic fantastic monday here up in colorado i'm actually up in uh, colorado springs today so i can't complain the sprawling complexes in colorado springs what's your what you, didn't you tell me your house up there is like what 15 16 000 square feet or something like that <laughs> oh dear ryan I, I, I don't know i think i think we have to i'm going to lower the bar a little bit no i'm in a, about a 1200 square foot apartment um uh-huh. i am building i am building a property i think what you're talking about is i'm building a property about 40 minutes west of colorado springs that's a 1500 square foot podcast studio that you built okay i got you got you outside the mansion like a mother-in-law suite or something okay a lot to get to but first we dropped our first podcast episode late uh for a lot of things kind of came together but it's out and so if you're hearing this and you could have heard the first one but um just kind of recap so we're on spotify apple uh, I need to check Stitcher. I'm, I'm not sure if I put it in Stitcher or not, but just about anywhere, iHeartRadio, uh, anywhere you can find podcasts, we should be there. If we can't, let us know. We'll see what we can do to get it there for you. Um, but with that being said, Ben, I, I was thinking about this. I've recorded about 400 podcasts, roughly. Now, I know you're immediately thinking, how can I be so terrible at the job after doing so many? That aside, I can honestly say, um, episode one, uh, to to my knowledge, there's only one other episode that might have rivaled it as far as feedback. And I had Alec Epstein, the moral case for fossil fuels, got a, a pretty good bit of feedback. But I, I think this got the most feedback of any podcast I've ever done, which got me wondering, what, I mean, single episode, what what inspired that? And I thought, well, it could be Ben, because Ben's here. But we have we have episode 20 or whatever it is, Oil and Gas Contractors Connect you're on and didn't get... Yeah, I got one comment on that that I know of. Um, so it wasn't that. I've done 400, and it's not me. But it's like maybe like the Power Rangers, when they form together this big, gigantic force, maybe that's what happens and just culminated in the perfect storm. You know, to use the word of one of the listeners, uh, I think it's all about the fierceness that uh, that I bring oh. to the podcast, and then it's the pretty face that we've got on the other side of the screen. <laughs> we, we play off each other really well, you know? Well, we do appreciate all the feedback and hope to get many, many more uh, comments or questions or um, you know, guests on the show, whatever it might be. So be sure to hit us up. We have a couple spots you can do that. It is obviously we'll link to our LinkedIn profiles in the show notes. Our new ep- our new website, bringingtheclosures.com, is up. We are still working out some of the kinks, but it is up, so you can find us there. Or if you have a question that you want to text us, you can do that, and we'll put this in the show notes as well, so you don't have to memorize it, but it's 682-422-4105. You can text or leave a voicemail, and Ben and I will take those on the air, or bring in the closures at gmail.com. It's an email. Again, don't worry about memorizing that. It's all in the show notes for you to pick up there. just wanted to mention it, so you be sure to check that out. Okay, Ben, last time we talked about red flags. Um... And we kind of, I think we, we, we hit that horse pretty well. So today we're going to transition over uh, kind of a debate that kind of caught a lot of life of its own on LinkedIn. I met someone a few weeks ago and they said they had 30,000 LinkedIn connections. And I didn't say who it was. And it made sense why this person actually had 30,000. And I'm not going to reveal the name because they didn't give me the permission to. And I have at the time around 3,000. I think I got a little bit more than 3,000 now. And I, I just posed the question, quantity over quality. And um, my general rule of thumb on, on debates like this on LinkedIn is, is I, I like to look, hear what people say and then, and then not necessarily flesh it out in long posts back or forth what my comments are. But just, you know, just I'm thankful that people comment on my, my posts for starters um, and kind of hear what they say. And so uh, I got a lot of feedback. And so I'm curious, Ben, um, I think you said you had like six connections on LinkedIn. So what is your thoughts as someone who doesn't have any connections? Uh, quantity over quality you can't really speak to quantity obviously but you know just quality connection no, i'm kidding i think ben has like three times as many as i do but quantity over quality ben for something like linkedin I, and i'll be real honest with you for what we do i don't find a lot of value and I, i've almost phased out posting or dealing with it um i have some automatic stuff that goes out but i don't do facebook really twitter 
have some automatic stuff that goes on Twitter, and sometimes I'll share LinkedIn to Twitter. Don't really mess with Twitter a lot, and Instagram, don't really mess with that. So LinkedIn is really the thing, I would say, or if you had a mailing list, but quantity over quality. Um, what are your thoughts, Ben? You know, I think the upshot of having only six or seven connections is that each additional connection that I have is like a massive percentage increase over what I had prior. <laughs> you, you know, you say only having six connections, you said it as like maybe a negative, but you know, it's a huge positive because I can come out and say, you know, I increased my reach by 50% in the day, you know? You have the fastest growing LinkedIn uh, uh, page in the world. <laughs> that's, that's the, maybe I should maybe I should delete all the connections started zero and, and, and do that from from the beginning. <laughs> uh, now you know I think I'm sitting at about 5,300, 5,500 somewhere in, in there. Um, you know, in, in, in answer to the question quantity over quality, I think there's good answers on both sides. I think it's definitely a double-edged sword for me. You know, in terms of the people that I'm reaching out to and and the connections that I'm looking to make, it's I would certainly, especially on LinkedIn, I would certainly gear towards uh, quality over quantity, simply because if, you know if I'm reaching out to someone to to make a connection, it's probably going to be one. You know, I have something specific that I want to speak to that person about, whether it be uh, because they represent a company that I'm trying to get in the door of, or they're you know involved in a deal or or something of that nature. So I have a specific reason. Um, otherwise, there are some times where I'll reach out to people in similar industries, so that you know I'll, I'll connect with people in the midstream space or uh, you know SWD. Uh, operators, those those kind of things, and, and you know, th that's a quality connection because I'm, I'm on the front end introducing myself and presenting, you know, what value that I think I can bring, and, and trying to seek out what you know what synergies there are and where we can come together. Um, and you know, I think, you know, I think we talked about it in brief on maybe the second episode of the podcast. And I don't want I don't want to badmouth anybody. I don't, we don't need to name names, but there are a couple of. Um, people out there on LinkedIn and they're very notable. Two of them, you know, I will mention the names because I think everybody knows them is Oleg and Bridget. I won't mention the last names in case you, in case the listeners aren't familiar with those two, you know, it is what it is. Um, but you know, I see a lot of their posts and they have like, I think 30,000 plus uh, connections and then like hundred thousand plus followers. And I think a lot of that, you know, comes from their style of, of posting is more so to like sensationalize stories and, and, and bring up, you know, things that aren't really personal and germane to the conversation. And so I like to have a much more narrow focus on, on when I'm on LinkedIn. And so I'm much more focused on the quality of the post, the quality of the connection, the quality of the comment. And so, you know, I don't generally go and comment on, on something and something I probably should be better at or could improve on is, you know, I don't generally go and comment on something just to engage with someone else unless I have something to add to the conversation. You know, I'm not the kind of person that's going unless, to, unless it's some, a, a post like yours, because sometimes I like to just mess you know, poke fun at you. But a lot of times, you know, unless I'm, uh, you know, going to take time to really digest the issue of what's being discussed and dive in, I'll just kind of be, be an observer. Um, which I think maybe, uh, you know, like I said, a, fa a fault of mine. I know that was kind of a long-winded answer. But on the other side of the coin, you know, the quantity argument, if you're putting out content, so, so like this podcast, or if, um, you know, the people that are listening to this that are writing articles and putting out posts and, and, and these kind of things on LinkedIn, I think the other argument for the quantity side is if you, if you put out a, a ton of content, you'll start to get feedback back. And then through that feedback, you'll be able to refine the filter and then get to the quality space. Right. So the, I think there's a different model of if you just want to kind of it's almost like the, you know, throwing things at the wall and kind of seeing what sticks model. And, and that's totally fine. Right. As, as long as you're I think it, what it comes down to for me is as long as you're doing that, but you're willing and able and ready to take feedback and respond to the feedback in kind and, and kind of remodel the message. Does that make sense? No. Yeah, I, I, I think I follow what you're saying. Um, you know, I, I tend to be more in the. um quantity camp than the quality camp and the reason for that is is that i found it hard to convert so let's say i do add someone on linkedin let's use that as an example who is um a a person who can fit certain demographics for what i'm looking for it's when we say quantity i mean quality it, that's the quality contact but that presumption is that that person is actually active on LinkedIn and they're going to check their messages. They don't just get on once every six months and, and accept the friend request and go on. And, and to me, that's more of what I find on just about any platform I'm dealing with, or whether it's um, trying to connect with podcast listeners or uh, LinkedIn connections is that you get a lot of people who aren't actually actively, actively engaged at the same level that I might be. And so it, it if you take that and you said, well, um, and so the, 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 the quality argument to me is almost 
a little bit too presumptuous. It, and it presumes, well, so if I had, if I could list, uh, let's say, 100 people that I wanted to have on my database that would talk to me and interact with me on a regular basis, and they fit all of the criteria I was looking for, of course, that would be perfect because with 100 people, I could probably do more damage than I would ever be able to deal with. The reality is, is that I have a lot of people I talk to, sometimes they're busy and they can't get back to me, or sometimes they don't have what I need, or they don't fit all the right boxes. And so I need more quantity until I can fit in the quality. So, so I, 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 it's kind of what you're saying, which is um, I need more people because then, you know, I may have person A who can fit three of the five boxes I'm looking for. Um, so I'm going to take a deal to him. He might not be available. He might have, it might be in one of those three boxes, but he might have time. He might, you know, not answer the phone or, or what the case may be. So uh, even though he is a quality contact, it doesn't mean I'm going to be able to get that person for this particular opportunity. Um, so the more people I have, and, and, and with that being said, I, I find this that I can usually do a decent job of keeping up with messages and contacting people. So I don't get too overwhelmed by having a lot of people um, interact with me. And of course, if I had thousands and thousands, that'd be different. But the level I'm at, I, I can generally churn through the messages, uh, get back to people when I need to. Um, some things do slip through the cracks. But so I, I think I'm much more probably would lean towards the quality, I mean, the, the quantity. Um, because when you sift through that, the quantity, I think, is actually greater than trying to um, do all of the work to get just those key 100 people. Because it takes a lot of work to actually figure out, you know, who's really dependable, who is actually available, um, when are they available, you know, what actual, how far are they actually going to go. Um, so if I have more people to go through, um, I feel like I'm, I'm a lot able to convert on stuff if, if that kind of, if that balance makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's just another way to look at it. But no, that's very valid. Um, and, and yeah, I think there's absolutely value to having a, a broad network. You know, that, that's that's pretty basic, right? I mean, yeah, ha having... Well, I was going to say, yeah, I, I was going to say, let's think about it like this. This is a this is a serious question. Let's just take a, we were talking about someone offline, Gary Vanderchuk. Uh oh, we got the Doctor Evil cat there. It's getting serious. <laughs> let's take let's take it like this. So let's take you write down a list <laughs> a list of sorry Ben's for the podcast listeners. Ben's pet his cat like uh, Doctor Evil or Doctor oh, yeah. No or whatever it is. If, if you're not if you're not watching the video, maybe this is the one to clue in on the video. Maybe maybe the first couple you didn't need to, but maybe maybe this is the one. Okay, so. Let's think this. Let's say that Ben could write down, or Ryan could write down a list of, you know, people. The, the people I think that would be fill out that hundred, that hundred people, realistic list. So not just billionaires, but actual a realistic hundred people list. Would I rather have that, or would I rather have Gary Vaynerchuk's platform and come out as Gary Vaynerchuk and say I need this? Which do I think is actually going to be a bit more beneficial for me? And I would say Gary Vaynerchuk's because. I don't know if people listen to his stuff. I have no idea, but it's in the millions or hundreds of thousands. And from that, two things would happen. A, probably the person he's looking for will come out. B, all the other people who don't exactly fit the criteria but will open up all kinds of other potential for him are there as well. So when you think about the qual uh, the quantity, those, those are the ancillary benefits that, that if you can capitalize on that, um, outweigh the quality. Um, and it's not to diminish the quality of the, of the contact. I'm just saying... I think if we had a list of people we wanted to we want to interact with on a regular basis, that'd be great. We could do more deals that we could handle. However, if we had Vanderchuk's following and we said we needed something, we would get that. Plus, we'd get ten, hundred, thousand other things that we weren't even able to get before because people would be trying to capitalize uh, by partnering with us. I think one thing that we should mention. I don't want to harp on because I don't want to go negative. But I mean, the other the other side of that coin is when you have a platform like somebody like Gary you're inviting a lot of, and I use this word a lot. I think I've probably used this word on every single podcast thus far. You're inviting a lot of noise into your network, right? And, and so you, if you're going to be going to the, to the quantity model, I think that you need to have a very refined process to find what the actionable stuff is and, and what you should be listening to and who you should be keyed in on. Because you know, if, if you're connecting to everybody you possibly can on LinkedIn, you know, a lot of those people are going to bring you value but, you know, unfortunately, it's also possible that a lot of those people just may waste your time. You know, they, they may have, you know, they may say something that they don't actually have access to, or they may purport to be something completely different than what they are, you know, any of these different things, right? And, and so it's, it's important at, at all times to understand that, you know, if, if you're going to the quality model, you know, we already talked about that. If you're going to the quantity model, you just need to be cognizant of that and, and aware that you may, that you may need, you, you, may, you may be creating more work for yourself to vet stuff on the front end. Is that fair? Would you agree with that? 
Yeah, and I and I agree. So one clarification is someone like Gary or Kevin O'Leary or you know one of the sharks from Shark Tanks, they have staffs of people that they can direct people to. Hey, go call Bob and he'll take care of this for you. Go talk, you know, uh, you know Sally and she'll look at this. So they have staffs of people that can vet through all that noise. I'm just saying, at face value, if I could be for a day Gary V plus his network with all of his connections and and back in office work or build out my own database, I would like to see what happens there because I think it would be. Um, you know, a lot more opportunities could present themselves um, just by the ancillary benefits of things that he gets. You would have a lot more noise, a lot more stuff to sift through, but he has people that can do that for him. So that's also part of that benefit. With that being said, the hard part for me is, uh, and I don't, I don't have anything against Gary Vee. We'll just kind of use him because we use the name. The hard part for me is to get to that quantity without generating a certain type of content. And that's where I think the disconnect for me is when you think of, Part of the the um, the perception I think around the the big numbers are is you have to put out a certain type of product whether that's kind of a, a hype product or inspirational product or um, you know whatever you want to call Gary's product you got to put out that certain type of product and that doesn't fit who I am to put that out this is who I am and this is kind of fits what I like to do and it's easier for me to replic- replicate because I'm kind of be myself and so I think my numbers will never be Gary's for a lot of reasons but one of them is I don't really want to put out that type of content because I don't think I could. I could do it for very long. I'd be very good at it, be very sustainable at it. Um, and I think maybe part of that's why people frown upon uh, the quantity models because they see these people and maybe they, they don't actually buy what they're selling. So I think we talked about it on the epi- on the second episode, if I'm not mistaken, um, but I've gone to uh, the Grant Cardone 10X conference the last couple of years. I'm, I'm really pr- pretty plugged in to, to, that, uh, to those speakers in that world, quote unquote. Um, and one of the things that, that struck me uh, that Grant talked about at the uh, the conference last year that I completely disagree with, and I'm completely on the other side of the issue. Is he? You know, he was getting he got up on stage, and in part of one of his talks, he was talking about, and he was he was kind of promoting the idea of hitting people over the head multiple multiple times with the same message, and just hammering people's inboxes and email, and getting in front of them all the time because the most the more impressions you make, you you the more impressions you make by sending someone email, etc the more content you'll get back and the more business you'll do. Um, and, and I think, to, to be honest with you, Ryan, I think there are so many people that are probably wired just like I am that that's going to turn me off really quick. If, 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 you, you know, if I get five or six emails in a day every single day or two or three or even one email a day from a vendor or from somebody hammer, you know, hammering me, you know, so I, I think that there's a disconnect in the message there in terms of, again, it's going, it's going back to quantity but also quality needs to be tied in there, right? So, like to your to your point about the messages, you know, when Gary's you know, when Gary's getting on LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram and talking about, generally, if you notice, his talks or, or his videos are only like ninety seconds long or, mm. or so, and so you know, it's pretty easy, quote unquote, to to pack a lot of value and, and get straight to the point in those shorter messages. And so, I think to a degree, you know. If you were like, I, I think if you were to try that model, you absolutely could do that. I think that you probably could put out multiple couple minute videos a day, and they'd be jam packed with value. And I think the followers would love it. But to, to your point, that's you know that's not the model, right? And so and you're because you're changing you're changing your audience. I think is, is in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, and I think, um, and I don't watch Gary Vee much anymore. It's nothing, nothing personal. I just kind of I kind of tuned in for for. Few years back, and really was listened to a lot of things he said. Then I kind of got, I kind of got what his stuff was. I said, okay, this is good, it's valuable. But it's funny that you mentioned that because he, I didn't know who Grant Cardone was, but he went down to. You can find this on YouTube. He went down to Grant Cardone's office, and Grant Cardone was like bragging about how one of his guys got blocked from some auto dealership or something. And Gary's like, "What are you doing?" You know, basically kind of mocks him like, "This is, this is dumb and stupid. You shouldn't be doing that." I found that, I found that to be quite interesting. Of course, I learned who Cardone was later on, and. um and I can't deny it works. I mean, those guys are obviously, um, I mean, they've got a few more dollars than I do. Not, not much. I mean, they don't have Ben Samuel's money, but they're between me and Ben on the scale of economic wealth here. Um, but they, obviously it's working for them. So I don't, I don't disagree with that. I think for me, and, and this is a hard part. Um, you know, when I came into this business, um, in the oil and gas energy space in 2005, yeah, I worked for my dad. Um, and so for me, it's always been about, I say always. There's always been, and, and this is, I don't know how much this is actually real world perception versus just my own 
projection of perception, if you will. I've always felt like, okay, you work for your dad. Um, people are going to think you, you know, you're, you're entitled. Um, you're not very good at what you do. And, and listen, obviously my dad gave me some breaks and other people probably wouldn't cause he's my dad. So I've, I can't deny that. And I'm very thankful for that. Um, however, it's always made me want to prove myself that I can, I can do things. I can go out and you know, close a deal or, or go out and land a project or, or go out and do this or go out and do that. And so, um, you know, and, and so I always feel like on some level when I'm going into uh, a, a meeting, um, we talked about this kind of this confidence last time. They obviously have this confidence, but I also feel like the other person almost doubts who I am. I need to prove my value to them so that we can get a quality relationship, hopefully, and, and do things moving forward. I think it's really important to come into these meetings and to come into these conversations kind of regardless of what your standing is. I think the humility and, and the and the deference is really important. I mean, just yesterday, you and I were talking offline and you mentioned, I'm, I'm not going to compliment myself, so I won't mention what you said, but you said something nice about me. And, and, I, to, and I told you candidly, I was like, you know, I really don't see that. I, I don't see, you know, I don't see that the same way, but I'm really appreciative that that's the case. And so, you know, I think it's important to kind of, you know, keep a level head, right. And kind of understand kind of where you are in the context. And so, I, but I think at the same time, I think, you know, I think one of the things, and this might be step, stepping outside the fairway a little bit. I know I like to say that, but like when, with you and I, I think one of the reasons that we're able to get in some of the doors we're able to get in and able to do some of the deals that we're able to do and able to, to network with some of the people that we're able to network is because you know we're not coming at this from, Oh, look at me. I can do this. This is, this is all me, me, me. You know, I'm the best, you know, etc. It's you know, how can I help you? How can I step into what you're doing and be a service and be a value to you? You know, like the same thing we've been talking about over, over every, I think basically every episode, it's been a common theme of being of service. And through that, you'll, you'll get, you know, you'll get the feedback back. And to your point, I think through that, you'll also get the validation, right? Because if you, you know, if you feel that way about, you know, your role in the industry or whatever you want to call it, you know, the proof is in the pudding, so to speak, right? So, I mean, because if you're getting deals done and you're getting contracts and you're, you know, getting uh, getting work for, for the guys that work for you and, and all of these things, I mean, like that in and of itself is proving the value kind of kind of regardless of what's going on up here, right? Yeah, and so I think what I've looked at it as historically, kind of open up and lay down on Dr. Samuel's couch here, a little confession time. You know, so a couple things. One is, you know, I've done podcasts to hopefully not sound like a complete buffoon, but put out some, some something that people value. Um, and I released a book, and then I was nominated and won an award, which was a very, uh, I was honored to, to win. And um, I, I did some speaking gigs, you know, and I'm not, I don't like speaking a lot, but I did some speaking gigs here in the United States and internationally. And so I did all that to kind of have, for those people who just like to look at the resume to say, hey, does this guy, you know, does the resume kind of hit it? I was on the, um, I was being invited on the Blaze Network and a couple of podcasts. I, I, I kind of checked uh, some some boxes just to have those for people who you, you, you have. And that's a reality, Ben. Sometimes you just have to have certain things on a piece of paper to get past certain people. So I, I kind of did that um, in hopes of um, having some external validation. But when we said this on the first show, you know, for me, when the deal, the going through the deal or closing the deal or, you know, we're working on something right now and, um, you know, we're kind of joking earlier. I, I sent you a bunch of contacts for something. I was kind of giving you a hard time about the speed at which I did it, but, but there was a value. You, you had asked for something and I'd given you back something. And so I, I know I was able to do that. And, and, and there was kind of self-validation. Um, if that deal closes, that'd be great. Obviously there'd be some money involved. Um, but with all that being said, I think one of the misconceptions here is is that when you're doing deals, for the most part, um, it's not like they're going to write the articles and the and the headlines about you. You're not going to get, you know, front page service. Uh, you might get a mention here, a thanks there, or an attaboy there. Um, but it's, it's, you know, the saying that's lonely at the top. Well, that's that kind of uh, is is, uh, is true about what we do. And so I think you have to be driven if you're going to be successful long term on the process of doing this, of engaging with people, getting them what they need and trying to service them the best you can because that's what keeps you motivated to keep going. And obviously the money helps and it's nice, but it's though if you don't like those things, it can become very depressing by how other things shake out and how you think something's hot and it goes to cold, something's cold and all of a sudden it's hot and you got to jump through hoops. So um, I think there's a lot involved on the, on the backside of things, at least for me, that, that, that shapes how I view this stuff. I like how you kind of like soft, like, like we're, we're slowly getting little piece by piece of the Ryan Ray resume here. <laughs> you keep talking up your co-host, but uh, Mr. Ray, you've, you've got you've got quite a resume yourself. 
Well, for the listeners who needed the sheet, I can provide it to them. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, 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 and the reality is, just to be very clear, I look at, so the award I have nothing to do with, someone else nominated me for it and, and I won it. But for those other things, to be quite honest with you, um, the, those things were, were tasks that I wanted to accomplish just like closing a deal. So I went about them in a manner that hopefully led for me to be successful, if that makes sense. Yeah, and for the listeners, that, that's really important. I think one of the differentiators between people like uh, Ryan and myself and other people that, that are trying to be you know, thought leaders and industry leaders and, and pushing the needle, I think one of the differences is that, just like you said, there are so many, there are a number of things that I do, maybe not on a daily basis, but consistently that are almost solely just so that they're on the list so, so that I can, you know, so that it's a check mark. I, I've done this. I have that experience. I've, I've gone through that program. I've read that book. I've listened to that podcast. I've read that article. Whatever the thing is, there are a lot of things that it's just, you know, it, it's critical to, to be, you know, if you want to position yourself as someone that, let me step back for a second. Uh, and again, I'm going to, I'm going to toot your own horn because you don't do it for yourself. There have been a number of times over the last give or t- uh, month or so that I have sent something to Ryan you know, hey, I'm working on X, Y, or Z with a client of mine. What do you think? And literally, same day or next day, Ryan has two, three, five, ten leads or, or, or your messages in my inbox waiting for me to act on that, that are that are germane to that conversation and, and important and hot leads to follow up on. And and that doesn't come, you know, that's not something that anybody can pull together. That's not, you know, that doesn't happen by happenstance. You don't just get there one day you know th- that shows you know that should tell everybody listening and that tells me that you, know, you you have a captive audience that has listened to your podcast like you mentioned you've recorded over 400 podcasts i mean that's that's stellar and for you to have the network that you have to be able to just put out feelers and you know at the drop of a dime come back with value like that's the reason that people want to work with with you and that's the reason that, that you're gonna you know that, that you're doing as many things as you are i think well, that $20 a Bitcoin I sent you did pay off. I got my compliment of the day out of you, so I appreciate that. God, I hope the editor could decide to cut that out. <laughs> Nate, that's your cue. That's your cue right there. That lasts like 45 seconds. Just, 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 just wipe that out. That's okay. I heard it. It's good enough for me. Um, but, you know, it, but so let's go back to where we started, which was quantity versus quality. Um, and, and, and so part of that, you know, is... You know, obviously, there's been plenty of times where people have asked me for something, and I've not been able to, you know, to come through and don't have the right network and, and stuff like that. Um, but in, if I have enough people I can go to, I feel like I can just about bring value on most things. Of course, we're not talking about the lobsters, like we talked about in episode one or two, whatever that was. You know, that would be kind of a hard thing for me to do. But if it's kind of, as you like to say, in the fairway, then you feel like you can do it. But this gets into, and I think when you think about the quantity versus the quality, the other thing, and I think I may have alluded to earlier, is you've got to be able to manage, um, you know, how you talk to people. And what I mean by that is, is are you sending out a lot of messages? And they're not Grant Cardone pounding people's inboxes, but there are, you know, um, either a message for lunch or I saw this. Can you tell me more about this? Or just responding to a simple comment on your LinkedIn post, um, all of that stuff and keeping that keeping that machine going because people are watching. And that's the thing that blows me away, Ben, is once you do, and not that me and you are anywhere near in the public eye, but um, once you kind of get out there and you start uh, saying that, hey, you you are someone who wants to do certain things, people then kind of watch you from afar. And they're, they're, they're watching the, the things that you do. And the next thing you know, you're like, oh, wow, okay, this person actually has been following what I've been saying or um, watching what I've been doing. And that's why they reached out to me. So, um, and I think that's the hard part. That's why I'm, you know, I think like three times a day I should start my own blog, my own website. But then I realized I, I just, as much as I want to do it, I wouldn't keep up with it because it, because it, that to me is so, it's 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 exhausting thinking about. And I see a lot of stuff I'd like to comment on, but it's just exhausting to think about that. Um, and I think too many people, let's talk about this, because this is quantity over quantity, not context, but in, in forms of content. I think too many people will go, okay, I'm going to go and share. And I've, Ryan Ray is guilty, number one. I'm going to share 20 posts a day. I'm going to comment on 300 posts. I'm going to write two blogs. I'm going to be on six podcasts, and I'm going to release a book by October. And then like six minutes into that, you get overwhelmed, and you go, oh my gosh, I can't do all this, and next thing you know, you're not putting out the feeler. So how do you balance that out? I know you said you're trying to tweak some things, um, but how do you balance that out to where 
you can put out content, um, and content, I use that very loosely, uh, content very loosely um, that, that's consistent and it, it, you, you, hope, uh, you hope is good, obviously. You know, I feel the same way as, as you in a lot of respects. I have, you know, so on zahavresources.org, I have a blog section. I think there's one blog post, maybe two, and I've had the site live for however many years. I mean, you know, so it's it's not that I don't have ideas. It's not that I don't have things that I could write about. You know, it, it's, you know, to your point and to, you know, to the listeners, I think they'll identify with this. Really what it is, I think, is just like you said, it's kind of a hesitance to because once you dive into those waters and you kind of make the commitment to put out consistent content, you know, you, you have to continue to do that. Right. And so in order to do that, that, that that's a, you know, that could be a full-time job and that's, that's a whole different, you know, you're looking at those things from a different model. And so, I mean, to your point, um, you know, I think I said it earlier in the podcast, but I, I'm, I don't generally comment on, on dozens and dozens of posts on LinkedIn. I, I kind of pick my spots. Um, but I, I think, all of that said, really what, what it is, Ryan, I think realistically, I think that the market and the people out there and, and, the, and the listeners, I think that if you and I were to put out, you know, 45 second videos of like, hey, this is this just happened. Isn't this cool? Or, hey, I'm thinking about X, Y or Z or, you know, I'm thinking about building rapport and, and here's a couple of just random thoughts or, or, or what have you. I think that that is really valuable. And, and I love those posts. I, I'm, you know, I'm connected with a number of people on LinkedIn that it seems like that's kind of their niche. They don't really share a lot of articles. They don't really post a ton of like a ton of words, but they'll post, you know, a minute or two video every couple of days. And I love those because I think the other thing that, that I definitely need to get better at, and actually one of the reasons that I really wanted to do this podcast um, and grow into this space is because you know in this day and age, it's really about connecting with the voice, but it's really about connecting with the person. And I think that a video is the best way to do that, right? And so I, I do want to get more and more into video. Uh, I think I, I think I asked you to uh, to actually start sending me the, like the raw um, the raw audio and video of these podcasts so that I can do some offline you know kind of cutting and whatnot. And, and that's kind of my you know, that may be my first foray into this. Uh, but I think we're all kind of f- feeling it out, right? And you know. Uh, both of us, we, we've got a, a considerable following in, uh, on LinkedIn, et cetera, but there, there's a lot more that you know you and I could be doing. And, and so it's kind of always a moving target. It's just about figuring out where the value is and, and, and seeing what you can do to stoke the fire. You know, one of the things I learned um, a while back about myself is I don't like doing things by myself. So if I write a blog, it's me sitting down, writing the blog. Um, I probably won't express it. This why I don't, I like to hear that. I like to see people engage on LinkedIn. I like to kind of read it, but I don't like to spend a lot of time um, responding because I'm not sure if I'm going to articulate, not that I'm the best articulator on podcasts, obviously, but I'm not sure I can articulate what I mean through written words, even as you know, halfway decent. But that being said, one of the things I've learned, Ben, is I like discussing the ideas with people. Um, and I like to have a, a very robust discussion. And so that that's why I like doing co-podcasts. Obviously, I have the podcast equipment. I could do you know, I could just do one-off podcasts and myself and, you know, that'd probably be terrible, but I, but I have the capacity to do that. You know, there's nothing stopping me from doing that, but I, I have learned that I'd, I'd, I'd much rather sit down and talk with someone about an idea, a concept, um, you know, whatever the case may be, than for me to sit down and just to give you um, my opinion with no one else involved. And so we talk about content creation or quantity versus quality. I will do up to a point more, uh, quantity of things like this that I can because I actually enjoy it and um, kind of helps sharpen me because you'll say something I think of or or sometimes when you say something you think it's really smart you say it and you go oh my gosh that's really stupid so just just saying stuff out loud for me sometimes has been a uh, a good thing but but you know so I think when you think about quantity versus quality on content you got to kind of figure out they say finding your voice but for me it's not so much finding my voice that that has been part of this process but realizing that I just would rather do it with someone else than do it by myself and that was a big realization. Um, especially when you're thinking about, you know, closing deals and being the negotiator or being the person bringing stuff, you kind of want to have this aura of, um, you're the person that can do it and you're this and that and all this stuff. And so it almost pushes you towards being a, a solo artist, if you will. And I found that, you know what, I just really sit around and talk to people. That's just far more, it's, it's easier for me. It's more natural for me. Um, and I get more value out of it. Would you also say that it's helpful to get kind of the immediate feedback from whoever you're discussing with rather than like talking, you know, just kind of talking to a wall or talking to a blank screen? 
Yeah, it's it, th- th- that's there um, as well. But it also helps me be. It also helps me be consistent in it because um, you know there's a sense in which okay, you know, we, I've got this show. I've got a you know, it's at this time. I've got to be on there. Um, and it, so it it just kind of it just kind of works around things. You know, I mean, think about like this: when I'm on the road um, by myself, which is normal. You know, sometimes I have a, a coworker with me, but pretty much by myself. Then I'll go out to eat. Sometimes I drive through, but sometimes I go sit down. And when I sit down, I put the headphones in and I'm listening to a book or a podcast or something. And obviously, I'm not talking to someone, but it is like I'm someone's there with me because someone's telling me something in my brain. Um, and and so uh, when I'm when I'm writing, I listen to music some, you know, depends on how tired I am. Um, but for the most part, if I'm writing, I'm listening to talk, some kind of talk, whether it's uh, podcasting, sports, politics, business, books, etc., uh, things like that. And so. Um, I just, enjoy, I've, I've always been that way. So maybe it's just, I, I enjoy the conversation more than that. And the final thing I'll say is one of the things I always tell my, my employees at Arsphere Global is I like the information. And what I mean by that is, is if you give me all the information, I, f- I believe, and I almost kind of have to believe this, that I can do the best with it. So if you give me all the information, then I can, I can sift through it and make the best decision possible. That's part of what we do is making decisions and advising clients. So I, 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 I believe that and it's kind of a prerequisite to do what we do. Um, so when I talk to people, I get information because I can ask certain questions. I can steer a conversation a certain way. They can ask me a question that might reveal something I didn't think about before. Um, when you're doing one-off, you're, you know, you can maybe one-off, you can maybe hone your idea a little better, but you're still not going to get that extra, that, uh, that, 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 that extra input that you might've gotten from someone else. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I drove uh, from Midland to Colorado yesterday. Um, it's about an eight and a half, nine hour drive. And I think for about, seven of that I, I was listening to podcasts and that I listened to a couple of audiobooks and so yeah I mean we're we're very much the same in that regard and, and I think to a certain extent that's also just the the thirst for knowledge and, and the you know the, the 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 drive to again you know be 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 a resource be, you know have have information at hand and I think that you only you only get that from just immersing yourself in that world right you, you really there is no substitute for reading a book. There is no substitute for listening to a podcast because if, if you're not doing those things, you're not picking up that information. Yeah. And so I'm curious about this. So, um, talk about books. So I listen to all types of books, um, but fiction, nonfiction, history, whatever, um, business doesn't matter. Um, but one of the ways I've changed, and I don't know when this was, we'll, we'll say last year. I think it's been longer than that, but let's just say it's last year. I changed the way I listen to fiction books. And now how I listen to fiction books now is obviously I listen to it and I enjoy the story. Okay, so there's there's that element of it. And if it's a really good book, you kind of get engrossed and you think about you know the character and what's going on. Um, but then the other thing I do is I try to step outside of the book. And I think, what would I think about this if it happened in real life? So for instance, in... We're not going to get political on the show, but I, I use a political an example to kind of illustrate the point. Let's say I'm reading a book about a CIA spy, and the CIA spy goes, and in, in the book, the, the the guy he's going after is a super bad terrorist, and it's the worst of the worst terrorists. And in the book, and I'm making this up, but in the book, the, the, the CIA spy goes and gets the terrorist's wife, and he tortures her um, to get the information about the terrorist, and then he goes and kills the terrorist, saves the day, millions of Americans' lives lives. One of the things, millions of Americans' lives are saved. One of the things I think about is, in the book, I might find that storyline compelling. I might, and I'm not, again, making political statements here, just, just something off the top of my head. I might actually enjoy that storyline because if the if it's a good author, he can build to a certain point. But then if I take it outside, I might have the same view, a different view. I might tweak it. And I've learned to, if you can read fiction in that way, it actually can help broaden your horizons where... Uh, some people don't want to read business books or history or, or whatever the case is all the time. There's a way you can engage with fiction, I think, that is actually helpful for the real world um, if you can bring it outside of that and kind of examine it. What would I think if this actually happened and I knew about it today? Does that make sense? And what are your thoughts on that? Said a different way, absolutely. I think if if you're reading a, a work of fiction, in my opinion, the author, when they were writing that work of fiction, there, there were themes that they were thinking about. There were topics that they weren't were trying to convey. But, you know, the story is trying to tell you something. And so if you're just reading a fiction book at face value, I think you're losing a lot of the value. I think you're losing a lot of, of the message. And so, yeah, I think it's really important to, to listen to it and read it within context and, and try to think critically about, you know, what is the story trying to tell me? What, you know, what's the, not the hidden message necessarily, but what are some of the underlying themes here? I mean, a good example, I think a generic example that probably most people, most listeners have read 
most people have probably read 1984 by George Orwell, right? If you read that book, the book is about, you know, there's a classroom and then, you know, the, the book is relatively generic. It tells a story. But if you think about the underlying themes and what that book is trying to tell you and, and all of the, all of the sub context, then it becomes, you know, one of the most seminal works that's ever been written, in my opinion. I think that that's, I, you know, for anyone listening to the podcast, if you have not read 1984, please like shut down the podcast right now, hit pause, go buy the book and, and read it and come back. It, it, it's, it is phenomenal. I think it is really elementary reading for any American, really any person, but especially any American, especially in today's age. So that's my little 30 second elevator speech on why you should read 1984. But no, I think absolutely. I think that the I think you're missing a lot of the value in those stories if you're just reading it for the story. Okay, so let's transition now. We've kind of talked about quantity, quality, content, connections. Let's talk about something we've we've hit on a little bit before, which is kind of this concept of work life balance. And now we have completely different lives. Okay, so I am married and I have four kids. I have an 11 year old, a nine year old, a three year old, and almost a four month year old. Ben, contrast that with. I'm single with no children. I have two cats. I don't know if that counts. Two cats. Okay, so Ben Ben has two cats. I am 34. Ben is. 31. 31. Okay, so just a few years older than you. Um, so work life balance. So as a single guy, I'm just curious. Let's get the maybe the range of perspectives on how to deal with this, how you think about it. Um, you had some interesting comments about uh, maybe the conversation sometimes isn't directed in the right manner. So I'm curious, what do you think about this? I think work-life balance is probably the most important thing in life, period. If someone can find a work-life balance, if you can find truly a work-life balance that works for you, and I'll get into that in a second, I think it can really be unlocking the key to happiness however generic and however like maybe like you know whatever that sounds i think it is so incredibly important because by finding a work-life balance and what i mean by that is finding a way to be present in whatever you're doing at the time and finding a way to be content in those things and so finding the way to be able to accomplish everything you need to accomplish at work do everything you want to be able to, you know, want to be doing to set up your future and, and set up the next steps and take the entrepreneurial drive or, 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 you know, set the foundation for your family or, or, or what have you. And then on the flip side, being able to step away from work and really enjoy, you know, going to the gym or being with family or going to a baseball game or, or doing the, the things outside of work. I think one of the things, Ryan, to me, one of the most important things that someone can do in this realm is segment those things so that when you're you know when you're out of work and you're offline quote unquote you're not just thinking about work and when you're at work you're thinking about work and you're not involved and you're not you know consumed with thoughts about the other stuff that you're missing out on or etc and i think a lot of that has to do with and, and i know that you and i are very fortunate and so i say this with a little bit of trepidation because i know that not everyone is as fortunate as as you and i are in this in in this instance in this scenario but it's so key to find something that you can dig into at work that you truly enjoy and that you really can, can get, you know, get your hands dirty and, and really, you know, challenge yourself and, and enjoy the process. Because, you know, I know so many people, unfortunately, I know so many people in the energy business that, you know, the minute the 501 hits, they don't want to talk about energy anymore. They don't want to talk about oil and gas. They, they don't want to, they, they want to be done. They want to go get a drink and they, and, and they want to, and that's totally fine. But, but what that tells me is that they're not actually enjoying what they're doing. They're not really, they're doing it for the for maybe the wrong reasons or maybe for ulterior reasons that don't really marry up. And so, you know, I totally understand people need to take jobs because because it pays better than something they'd enjoy. And I understand that hobbies don't pay the bills. I understand all of these things. And I'm not trying to paint a picture of this like grandiose, like, oh, you hold out for the, you know, for the job that's going to pay you seven figures and it's going to let you only do the things that you want to do and nothing that you don't. That's not at all what I'm getting at. I think what I'm, what I'm getting at is more so I, I'm of the opinion that no matter what your job is, whether you're a field hand, a land tech, an administrative assistant, a CEO, you, uh, you're a foreman, project engineer, whatever your role is, or if you're completely outside of oil and gas, we can go on the list forever. I think it's really important to form your day and form your week and form your month in ways that speak to you as a person and, and that you enjoy. And so you know, we can talk about it this at length, but that's kind of a, the over. That's my 
kind of umbrella of kind of how I would set the stage when looking at things like that. Yeah. So I think a couple of things here. One, I mentioned earlier, I don't really do Facebook. I don't really do Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. And I've really Facebook. I hadn't dealt with in a long time. Twitter and Instagram. I just kind of deal with. And here recently I've kind of just gotten rid of those. One of the things we deal with work-life balance is I think that so many people, Ryan Ray has been a big part of this is you get caught up and there's nothing wrong, nothing right. I'm just saying it's part of the equation. You get caught up with checking the Facebook account 15 times a day or, you know, when you get home from work, you know, you, you spend two hours on, on the Facebook or the Twitter or Instagram or whatever it is. Um, and none of those things actually bring um, work value. They might bring life value, but they don't bring work value. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. And so I think the, we don't, we're not the best at measuring our time. Um, you, you know, with people in general. And so we fill our lives with a lot of things. And then we say we struggle with work-life balance. And the reality is, um, for Ryan especially, more than maybe anybody else, is that if you just cut out a few things here or a few things there, um, you would find that the balance is a lot closer to where you want to be. Um, but you filled it with things that aren't really bringing you value, but they consume your time. So you kind of hit something that I, I was actually going to talk to you about this offline, but since you mentioned, I'll, I'll mention it, or we can talk about it briefly on uh, the podcast today. One of the things on this podcast for me, I'll, I'll get a little personal for a second, you know, so thus far through three and a half, almost four episodes, you know, I've really, I've tried to toe the line between being, you know, being informative, but also like being quote unquote politically correct and, and not wanting to say things that are inflammatory and like outside the, outside the, uh, the scope or, or, you know, I, I don't want to push people one way or the other, but since you said what you said, I think it's so important, you know, I'll get on my soapbox for a second. Um, in this day and age with what's available on social media, and when I say social media, I'm talking about Facebook, Instagram, um, some of Twitter, Snapchat, those models. I'm not talking about LinkedIn and, and the networking stuff, I'm talking about more of the social networks. When, when you consume yourself with those, I think, and really realistically, there's so much data at this point that backs up. There's not, you're, you're, I mean, and, and these are overarching, you know, very aggressive statements, but you're not going to be happy. You're not going to find success. You're, you're not, you're not going to find fulfillment. I mean, if, if you're, if you're filling your mind with all of the beautiful images on Instagram and all of the success stories that you see on Snapchat and all of the, you know, keep in mind, and, I, and I've heard this so many times from people like Gary Vee and, and others, but keep in mind that all you're seeing on social media is the very, very, very top of the best of what those people have to offer and only what they want to show you, right? You're not seeing what it actually takes to make that. You're not seeing the failures. You're not seeing the other edge of the coin. And I know so many people, so like you and I, I think we could probably look at those things and the filter is there to understand what's going on behind the scenes. And so it doesn't really have an effect in terms of our psyche or kind of how, we're, how we go about things. But unfortunately, I think that, and especially with people that are maybe new in this industry or trying to kind of dip, get their toes in the water for the first time and kind of trying to find their voice and find, you know, what they want to do and all these things. And I think that that, that in and of itself can be so demotivating because if you look at all this stuff and all you see is the best of the best and all, and like, you know, all this stuff, you know, you're going to sit there and be like, well, you know, how, how can I start from nothing? And I think to, a, to and also that, you know, turning that on its head, just the sheer amount of minutes that you're wasting on a daily basis. Just just by perusing LinkedIn or sorry, perusing Instagram or Facebook for three hours a day. Can you imagine if the average, quote unquote, the average, let's say the average 20 to 24 year old, if they were to delete Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat all together and focus all of those hours that they would spend on those things on starting a business? Can you can you imagine how much of a unbelievably massive difference that would make? Or with their family. Because that that that's that's part of the thing is that you don't have time for the family. So just spend the family. So I just looked it up. I have seven hundred Twitter followers, um, and I would say of those seven hundred, I engage with like four maybe on a regular basis. And that's kind of the deal. Was I used to use Twitter um, because I could go find news. I could source news from around the world um, better than any other platform. It was amazing. Now Twitter wants to tell me what everybody you know every political tweet that everyone likes and all this stuff, and I don't really care. Uh, matter of fact, I lose a lot of respect for most reporters because they, I see stuff they like and I realize that they're not really that smart. But that aside, um, I, 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 I don't need to see all that. I just want to know what the news is. But now with like something like Feedly, 
um, I can get all of the articles pumped to my my feed my feed burner, whatever things called Feedly, and uh, I can just about get it within within a reasonable amount of time. And so Twitter has kind of lost its value because it wants me to see what everyone else likes. And I don't care what they like. If they retweet it, obviously I understand that. But I just want to see what the news was. Um, and so that's kind of lost its value. But if we go back to the beginning, the quality versus quantity, you, you somewhere like, like on Twitter, there is no there is no quality metrics there. That is a strict quantity thing, which means that you really have to churn out good content or spammy content that uses all the hashtags to get in front of people. And that's exhausting. Um, you do it and you, you get, you know, two, 3,000 followers on Twitter and, you know, 1,500 of them are just bots that, that, that like your account because you put the right hashtag in. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I used to use Twitter a lot more as well. I, I used to, uh, you know, uh, run a couple of uh, other podcasts and like fantasy football and some other things, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I used, I used uh, Twitter to, to be a news aggregator. But yeah, you know, at this point... It's actually it's funny you said what you uh, you know, what you mentioned because really at this point I find myself using Twitter almost sometimes I, feel, I use it as a filter to read the comments that some of these like you know industry experts or media people say and if they say something that is I mean like in this day and age you can, you don't ima- you can't even imagine what you're going to see on Twitter and so right. some sometimes somebody will say something sell out of pocket that it's like notable enough that I'll go like you know unfollow them on LinkedIn or or I'll, or at least I'll make a mental note of like, okay, so this person is of this mind. And, and, you know, I think that that's lost on a lot of people. I think that, and this, I don't want to get into the free speech con- conversation because this is like, that's a whole different conversation. But I think that to me, what that comes down to is that I think there's a disconnect between people have this idea that they can say anything that they want on Twitter and on LinkedIn and on Facebook and on Instagram, which is totally true. You can, but I think the other side of the coin is you can say whatever you want but there's ramifications and consequences for certain things that you say. And I think people kind of miss that disconnect. It's like, I can say anything I want with impunity. Well, no, it's not with impunity. You know, everything you say and everything you put out there on your personal brand, you know, that's going to have an effect or or at least in my opinion, it should. Yeah. Well, and I think this, we can kind of maybe land a plan on this idea. One of the things I've learned from Twitter is following reporters is uh, I'm not a journalist. Someone said something the other day about reporting. I'm like, I don't report anything. I mean, we, talk about the news, but I'm not a, I'm not a journalist. I don't have journalistic integrity um, or claim to or that kind of stuff. But one of the things I have learned from Twitter is that um, I think, and this is, this would be kind of a, a good thing. I think maybe to kind of get your thoughts on and wrap the show up on is um, I've seen a lot of journalists who are very good at what they do. Like if you read their reporting, listen, there's no such thing as no bias, but it's, 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 it's pretty well encapsulates what happens at this event. Um, so it's not maybe the most fascinating read in the world, but it actually gets you what you're looking for, which is Ben Samuels was here. He said this, he's going to do this, you know, whatever the four or five facts of the event were, or the speech were, boom, that's what I wanted to know, which then allows good reporters get access to people that we would love to get access to because they're reporters and they have a platform. Um, and so they get a lot of this almost secret knowledge of what's going on behind the scenes. Um, and I, I think for reporters, the issue is, is because they have a lot of secret knowledge, they then presume that they can actually take that knowledge and analyze it and actually say intelligent things about it, which is not the same thing. Reporting on something and commenting on something is not the same thing, which leads me to what we do. And that's where we have to be careful, I think, Ben, is sometimes is that we have a lot of inside knowledge on deals and things that we have to do. But one of the pitfalls is, earlier I talked about having information, when you have all the information you tend to think that you know it all, which means that you can make the wrong step in the wrong direction because you go, I have all the information, or at least I think I do. Therefore, I'm going to try to execute something this way. And much like the reporter, you had a bunch of information, but your analysis was flawed because you didn't step back and analyze it. So how do you how do you kind of avoid that pitfall of having a ton of information, thinking you know it all, but not actually reading the cards right? I think that's where your network comes in. I think that's the, that's the invaluable part of me being able to pick up the phone and call you and say, Hey, I'm thinking about X, Y, or Z. What do you think? And getting your feedback and then doing that same thing with, with a you know very small uh, portion of my, of my network that's revolved around whatever that deal is or that subject matter is and, and having the ability to kind of bounce the ideas off each other. Because I think the, the value in, you know, if, it, if it was just me and like you said, if I only had, you know, if I had no LinkedIn connections and I didn't have a network, and I was the only one thinking of things, and I was the only one vetting the ideas, and I was the only one making the decisions. Like you can get yourself in a lot of trouble quickly that way, right? Because if, if you if you make the wrong decision, I mean, so like there's a good and bad, right? If you make the right decision, it's all on you. But if you make the wrong decision, it's all on you. And I think there's a massive amount of value in having the comfort to be able to reach out to people like yourself, just as a sounding board, and say, hey, you know, I'm thinking about X, Y, or Z, or or I heard 
about you know X, Y, or Z, or, or hey, you know, I heard that you know this deal or this operator is working on this. You know, have you heard of the same thing, or what what are you hearing? And you know, bouncing ideas out of each other and, and sharing information to kind of get to that truth. Yep, and I'll I'll, I'll agree with that. The only thing I add to it is, I think um, what you'll find, and this would be a, this Ryan's two cents for listeners is. When you start to bounce things off of people, what you will find is if you actually have a lot of information, not a little bit, but you have a lot of information about something, you will find that a lot of times the objections that are given aren't necessarily the most sound because the person you're asking doesn't actually have all the information. And so they're they're seeing a very small sliver of the pie, and it becomes almost frustrating because you go to ask people and like, well, they don't, well, okay, hold on, you didn't know about this, and you didn't know about this, you know about this. Um, so part, I think, maybe what you're getting at, Ben, is that, um, and people talk about this a lot, but I think there's, there's actually a lot of substance here, is finding people that you can bounce things off of regularly and you said that you kind of blew that but people you bouncing up regularly people see things differently because one of the things that people if you deal with me a lot you will know that i have certain tendencies certain things that i'm just going to do a certain way um if we talk one time you might not know that but we talk about 15 different things you're gonna go oh well ryan's getting all excited about this like he always does ryan have you thought about this because last time you missed this um and so it is a frustrating process, but I think it's a necessary one, um, but you have to keep it going. So we go back to, again, quality versus quantity. That's where quantity can really come into play is if you're talking, uh, uh, I'm sorry, quality can come into play because if you're talking to people who you trust on a regular basis, routinely, um, you, you, you can kind of get this uh, rapport with them that kind of helps you see through things that you wouldn't normally see through. I mean, you and I are currently doing that, right? I mean, just this morning I, I was texting you about, hey, you know, it based on some feedback on on deal flow that we have discussed i'm going to start doing x and, and you said yeah you know, that's probably a good idea and, and, and i'll do y I mean, that that communication only happens if you're consistently like us like you said consistently in contact but i mean the, the goal of, of what i said was you know i want to be i think i even said like i, I don't want to send you down bad rabbit holes or whatever so there, there's there's a there's a reciprocal we want to be valuable to each other and and not only that you know, now that I understand more about how you work and how you operate, I'm adjusting to, to address that and, and, and to fall in line, which which is going to benefit both of us on the back end. Uh, and so that's kind of the, the ongoing communication factor. And that only happens if you're consistently in contact. Is this something I said or something? No, no, it's funny because I always tell people I'm a five wide, full court press, full steam ahead kind of guy. And, and today we, we, we this is not I'm not knocking Ben or Ben's not knocking me. It's just today was kind of one of those things where, okay, hey, this is <laughs> this was one of those you know, Ryan let the hounds out and, and here we go. And it's like, oh, probably a little too soon, Ryan. Probably, probably shouldn't have thrown you the bone a little too soon. So, and this is not necessarily specific to this, but but I, but I wanted to kind of give a peek behind the curtain on this specific thing because I think this is something that the listeners will probably be interested in. Uh, what Ryan and I were talking about today, and I think one of the things that that is you know, needed to be navigated around is, I so I presented a, pro, uh, a prospect to Ryan and I said, hey, I'm working on this. Here's what I know. Here's what we're looking for. Here's the buy. Here, you know, here's the asset. Here's the, the where the money's coming from. And I lined out a lot of the things. The one thing I didn't have is I didn't I didn't have some of the paperwork and I didn't have some of the other things from the from the actual client. And so you know me as the, as the conduit to the client, I can't come up with those things. And so to a certain degree, we're kind of in a holding pattern until the client comes to the table. And in the but I didn't say any of that to Ryan on the front end. I didn't tell him that we were still wor working on something and, and waiting for, for a missing piece. And Ryan, you know, as he's wont to do and, and, and as, you know, as his value is, he went out to his market and within, I think within two days, he had seven or eight different prospects in my inbox that were actionable and, and ready to be talked about. But, you know, we're still waiting on the other side. And, and so, you know, there, there's a little bit of a stall because of some, some just kind of cleaning up that we've got to do outside the scope of the deal. And so I think it's important to, to note that that you know, if I had waited until we had all the ducks in a row and you had brought these seven or eight, we might have a couple of owner contract already. And, and you know, quickly after having this last piece of information that we need from the buyer, um, quickly after getting that done, we should be able to lock some of these in, right? But, but it's just about uh, you know, the addressing the fact that I think what I said to you is, you know, I need to work on queuing this up a little bit more before we're ready to, to really move 100 miles an hour. But that being said, it's really valuable for me to be able to call Ryan and say, hey, this is coming down the pipe. You know, let's let's talk about this when the time is right, but just you know, be thinking about where you're going to take this because then you know, he's ready to, to go off, you know, get off and run. Yep, agreed.
Okay. All right, Ben. In the meantime, we'll be back, I guess, next week, right? We'll be back next week. Um, hey, man, if you're going to have me back, I'll be here. I'll be back. We'll be back. Same bat time, same bat channel. Anything, listeners, they're listening, um, connect with you or anything that you want to point them towards before we get off here? Go check out bringintheclosures.com. That just went live. Ryan finally gave me the okay to put that together, so it's up and running. <laughs> we're, we're good to go. Uh, we should have the first couple episodes up, uploaded here shortly. Don't um, look for I, a blog. Don't look for a blog. <laughs> don't look for a blog yet. No, nope, don't, don't, don't look for that. Um, rumor is that uh, Nate is going to be putting the video of these uh, the podcast coming up as well because we've got some video for you. I know that we've been uh, showing you just the audio, having you kind of get used to Ryan's soothing voice. And oh, yeah. now we're gonna now we're gonna have him front and center on the screen. So be ready for that. <laughs> our, our our listenership will go down drastically overnight. Okay. Well, I have um, Text on Gas podcast, Energy Week podcast, Oil and Gas Contractors Connect, where you can hear Ben and I's first ever recorded conversation. I think it's episode twenty twenty one somewhere in there. Um, you know that released a few weeks ago, so you can go hear that. And then of course, um, bringing the closers is what you're listening to now, and we thank you for that. And we will be back. Oh, hey Ben! Whoa, 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 whoa! Don't bit stop yet are we going to talk about next week yet we're gonna be we're gonna be in midland together next week willing and dealing ain't we i was i was waiting for you to talk about it oh okay well yeah next week if you're in midland you need to hit us up now we are booking appointments for all kinds of stuff so uh bring in the closures at gmail.com linkedin whatever we'll be in midland i haven't pinned down my dates have you pinned down your dates yet it looks like Tuesday to Sunday. I'm, I'm getting in that late. I'm late on that month or on Monday, and I'll be there, I believe, Tuesday through the end of the week. Uh, make sure to reach out to us. Uh, Ryan and I will gra- uh, you know, grab you a beer or a, a breakfast taco or something, and we will, uh, we'd love to talk to you. We'd love yeah. to meet you. Ben's buying, so just let us know. Steak, preferably for me. Um, and, yeah, we'll have everything pinned out for next week. But if you're in Midland, I'll put some on LinkedIn. I'm sure Ben will as well, so you can connect with us there, and we'll get you on the schedule jointly, separately, or whatever the case may be, and we will talk to you next week.